This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by The Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BREW and get 10% off your total order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, John. And this episode's guests, that's right, there's more than one of them, is Austin and Johnny of The Undertaking, whose debut album, Funeral Palms, is out now via Solid State Records. This was a really fun, loose chat where we talked about basically being dudes uh, in our mid-30s and uh, how that actually has helped uh, them take advantage of the opportunities that they've been presented with being a baby band. You know, it, it is kind of interesting We've talked to so many different people of different legacies, new bands, old bands, you know, so on and so forth. And it just is kind of crazy to hear the success story of The Undertaking, how, you know, like I said, it's it's a group of guys in their 30s, you know, who had wanted to do the band thing. But just to hear them be so honest and upfront about, like, we're going to do this, but if we're going to do it, we have to, like, do it smart and we have to do it this way, this way, this way. And it's just so refreshing to hear because as someone in my mid-30s, I do the same thing with my fucking life, like where I'm like, I want to go do this, but I'm not going to do it if these things don't happen. I have to kind of set parameters and boundaries and so forth, because, you know, when you have things that have happened to you in your life, you know, mistakes, failures, whatever you want to call them, they become learning opportunities that will teach you on how to hopefully be set up for success further on down the road when these opportunities present themselves again. And it's interesting to hear of a band who's kind of having all this success, you know, getting signed to Solid State Records, a, a label they wanted to be with, and even how just everything that they did to get them here is because of basically their age and the things that they've gone through, the experiences they've gone through collectively. And to see them succeed, you know, I think it is one of those great stories where it's like, it's never too late. Like, don't ever give up on your dream kind of situation. And I didn't say that to the guys, but it definitely is something that has me excited to kind of see some older people getting in 
to bands and having success, even somewhat quote unquote right away, even though there's the decades probably of, you know, failed bands, quote unquote, uh, that didn't allow them to make it as far as they maybe wanted to. But I can't speak enough about how great uh, Funeral Palms is. It's just it's a really interesting record. And I think as you'll hear me say with Johnny and uh, Austin, specifically lyrically, uh, that it's just one that kind of resonated with me. And I think it's because of what I've been going through, what we all have kind of been going through because of the pandemic. Um, so really excited to get this chat to you guys. It's, it's super loose, like I said. Uh, currently tonight, I am drinking an Anheu Old Fashioned. Uh, obviously, if you know any of those three words, Old Fashions typically are made with whiskey or bourbons, and an Anheu is a type of tequila. Uh, so the, to make this drink, it's a three-ounce pour of Anheu tequila, a half ounce of agave nectar, and two dashes of aromatic bitters. Um, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to put it into, I put it into a shaker, uh, stir it over ice, pour it into a low ball glass. Uh, if you don't have one of those, a rocks glass works just fine or hell, even a solo cup. Uh, you're going to want to garnish this with an orange twist and a cherry. Uh, I lately have been using uh, maraschino cherries and dropping in just a little bit of the, the juice into it for a little bit of coloring and a little bit of flavor. Um, I also like to let the ice sit in my glass for just a little bit to kind of, uh, dilute the drink a little bit. And, uh, if you are a tequila fan, you know that Anheos are, are kind of expensive. Uh, I very recently found uh, the 1800 Anheo and found that it is a pretty solid uh, drink overall. So if you uh, want to try something a little different, there you go. And speaking of doing things a little bit differently, let's get into my conversation with Austin and Johnny. I'll talk to you on the other side. <laughs> Uh, Johnny, what is your last name? I know I could probably look that up in an email if I was quick. It's, it's Mercury. M-E-R-C-U-R-I. Mercury. Yeah. Okay. It looks like it looks like Mercury, but well, I mean, now with uh, what, what is that app? Macari. Yeah. Do you Dude, get, I get that the, quite a bit? I get Do those you? emails all the time, and I'm I, like, <laughs> at first, I'm like, who's sending me? And I'm like, oh no, this isn't a family member. It's spam. <laughs> well, it's like I was just having a conversation with someone yesterday, and I was making the joke about how uh, sometimes you'll see people and they'll like see last names or they'll see names. Like, so like my last name is Beatty, B E A T T Y. And yeah. I'll have people see my last name and they go, oh, are you related to so-and-so? Because they spell their last name B-E-A-T-T-I-E. And I'm like, that's not even the same. <laughs> like, yeah, yes, that's it, not how it works. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. That would be like me going like, oh, uh, <laughs> you're Courtney with a Y. I know Courtney with an I. Are you guys related? Do you know each other? <laughs> right, like, that's right. No, that's not how names work. Uh, <laughs> um, all of the, the funness of uh, names aside, have the pleasure of talking with Austin Visser and Johnny McCurry, as you just heard the story on that. Um, the Undertaking, uh, your album Funeral uh, Funeral Palms is out today as of when we're recording this uh, via Solid State Records. Happy release day. Um, how are you feeling? Uh, what did you do? Uh, exciting uh, that you can. I don't necessarily know where you guys are live or your, your lockdown situations or lack thereof. But what did you do today to celebrate the release? Yeah, man, it's been a wild ride so far. So we're all in San Diego and we live okay. about like 20 minutes away from each other. So actually last night. Uh, our album came out at 9 p.m. Our times, so we actually right. got together at our drummer's house and just uh, kind of celebrated the 
occasion. And then this morning, we we're kind of just kind of keeping up with the uh, comments and people talking about it and stuff, which is emotional because there's like the good and the bad. <laughs> um. I think you're you're not the first band that I've talked to that's released a, a record during this this whole thing. Obviously, you are one of the first to kind of, for lack of a better term, debut your debut record uh, that most people will will know who you are uh, officially. Um, were were you guys sitting on this record long? Like, was there talks of releasing it last year at any point, or like how long have you been sitting on this? We went into the studio uh, in August of 2020. Okay. Um, but I, I mean, I guess I don't. It's our first our first record, so I don't know what is a long like to sit on a record. You know, uh, I have an interview that I did two December's ago. Uh, the band still hasn't put anything out, <laughs> and <laughs> oh, they were no. and they were done at the time. Uh, oh man, six or eight, six or seven months before that. Sure. Uh, so I mean, there are, and you know, we've talked about it quite a bit on this podcast, where sometimes bands will put out a record. And you get with a label and basically instead of just, you know, putting out something to your fans that you've accrued over relentless touring and just, you know, word of mouth and all that kind of stuff. There's the marketing aspects and the rollouts that go into it where someone's like, okay, we really want this record to come out in quarter two. We think it's going to do really good. There's not a whole lot of competition for you. So your numbers will carry over better uh, for chart positions, which obviously help with your touring and then all of those things that shouldn't really matter. But for some reason in 2021 still does. Um, So it's one of those where good. Yeah. Well, it's been an interesting process because we, we're like a tiny little baby band and like we're still brand new and so we wanted to we were done we had this out we recorded in august and we had it mixed and mastered by like september so we we submitted the album to solid state like real quick Uh, our our team kind of busted their butt and we worked fast so um we were sitting on it and there's like rumors that we could maybe try to squeeze it in before the end of the year last year uh but solid state does a really smart thing so basically from the beginning of November to the end of January, they don't release any music. Mm. And it's because of uh, holidays and like the end of the year, people are going on vacation. So then there's like a chance that like it could get missed. And especially last year, there was the election cycle. And so basically all the noise and the, the drama and all that stuff around holidays, lockdown, politics, like the decision was made like, okay, this is not coming out until 2021. Now, two, uh, funny story, our release, we couldn't pick our date uh, until Devil Wears Prada picked their dates. And so then we were basically waiting for the Zombie 2 uh, cycle to get determined before we could then decide when we wanted to release stuff. And then third is all things considered, like I said at the beginning, we're a baby band. And so for us to be able to release this album and then hopefully allow it to get some traction online uh, with some fans and, and kind of garner a little bit of uh, hype. That'll play into us then like being able to play shows in the next couple months. And then hopefully then that second album is something that we can really hit hard, which is not to say that we're not hitting this hard, but we're kind of like, kind of sneaking this into a good time where there's not a ton of albums getting released and hopefully we're able to make some noise. If that makes sense. Like we're really happy kind of with how everything turned out. So. Well, I I mean, I think that's kind of the interesting thing about it is that, you know, I, 
like, I, like, you know, the story I just told you having a lot of friends who, who yeah. are in bands and tour and all that kind of stuff, just the, the ins and outs of the business that I don't think anyone realizes, you know, like a big question I've asked with some of the, the bands that have been around for a lot longer and have been basically, they were a baby band either in or just out of high school and got signed is, you know, you get to this level where you love jamming with your buddies and, and basically you're creating art, you're having fun doing it. A label approaches you, people love what you're doing. And you're like, Oh man, this is everything that, you know, the dream. Mm -hmm. And then your art and the thing you do for fun becomes a commodity that you have to then look at as a business. You have to learn about, you know, accounting as a band, you have to learn about marketing and, rollouts and in all these things that you probably don't care about and never wanted to learn mm -hmm. but now you have to if you want to be a successful band that turns it into a career and it's interesting at times when you start talking to some people who are like i didn't know it was going to be all that and then it's like well what does that do to you as a person because now the thing that you love that you were just doing as a hobby is a career and now you're having someone tell you this isn't good enough we don't hear the single we don't right. hear whatever this isn't good enough compared to whatever you know they're projecting or or you know these ancillary things and it's funny that already like you know you're using the term baby band that's a you know Sometimes in emails, we get the, this is a baby band. So, you know, there's not a whole lot out about them. You're going to be one of the first interviews we do, you know, so on and so forth. But it's one of those that it's interesting to hear you guys say it. And you're not like, you understand, like you already are basically at the beginning and you're already understanding, like, of course, we're going to have to wait for the Devil Wears product to choose their release date. And I'm not mad about it. Like, that's just how it goes. And like, I've not had this experience yet where I get to talk to someone who is experiencing all these firsts, but you're also not jaded or upset about it either. Like, that's really interesting. If you want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, we've had that conversation <laughs> with a couple people where they're like, Hey, talk, we want to talk to you guys in a year and where you're jaded and like super pissed off <laughs> <laughs> because, and I'll let Johnny talk about that too. But at the moment we're stoked to be here. Like we're in our mid thirties, um, we are a, not even in the context of the industry a baby band but we've only been together for like two years oh wow and so we we hit the ground running and just made like a lot of good connections and a lot of right decisions to kind of just set our trajectory to where we're at now um but i mean we're stoked to be here we're we this is a dream come true we are so elated to be releasing an album on this this it's, well, one, to release an album and two, for it to come out on Solid State is a huge deal. And then for us then to like ha have to be waiting for Devil Wars Prada, like, yo, that's so tight. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I like I feel when we started this band, that that was the, the thing we considered of, hey, if we're going to do this, we might as well do it the right way because all of us have uh, families and careers and kids and all that, you know, jazz and so when we're approaching another project, that's going to take away from these other things that we're doing. So uh, the, uh, the business part of it was a big consideration on day one. Mm. So, I mean, we're all roughly the same age. I'm going to be 37 here in, uh, what are we in, April, technically May. Uh, so in a couple of months. But, uh, yeah. you know, with you guys being literally a baby band that's only been around for a couple of years, Trying to, I'm trying to do the math. So at that point, you really had only been a band for not very long before the pandemic, basically. Like the that year basically took a lot away. Like that's half of one year, two years, right? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but it, 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 it worked out so perfectly. Totally. Right. I was just going to say, like, how... 
because I always find it interesting in this day and age. Now, like I look at band stuff. I mean, even for the podcast, it's almost like a band, like I'm growing at word of mouth. I have to get out there and, you know, sometimes you gotta, you don't gotta do the pay to play things, but you have to sometimes take, think gigs quote unquote you don't want to do because it sets the relationship with a, a promoter or a publicist or whatever and you just kind of build your name from there uh based on the how you do with the opportunities you get that being said i sometimes now i, I don't even know how a band would even start like if i were to start a band with my friends now i don't even know what the fuck i do because like I, it seems like tiktok's the way that you have to get music out there i don't understand it like i I was like, I thought it was sort of like Vine where you make funny videos or some things like that or dances or something. I mean, it shows my age. I don't even know what it is. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those like where I don't know where you get people to listen to your music now, especially in the middle of a pandemic where you can't play, which is the only way I would know. Like play, get in front of people, earn your name, word of mouth it, play relentlessly all over. And it seems like that's kind of not the case anymore. Like mm. now you digitally play to a wide casting net and then hope that you get on Spotify playlists or whatever with tastemakers. And that's how you grow your brand band now or brand, I guess as well. What was the process for you guys? Cause you said you took the business side of it into effect day one. So what was kind of your plan of attack? It's freaking impossible. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not even kidding and somehow we lucked into it so so we started we started jamming in 2000 july august of 2018 and so we sat together and started to say hey we're gonna get together we don't think we're done playing music and so we just we just found the text the other day because we were kind of celebrating this release and like where we're at and we're like dude remember these texts and so it started with that conversation of like, hey, we want to play music together, but then what do, what do we do? We want to get shows. How do you get shows without music? How do we make these connections without knowing anybody? And so we kind of just hit the ground, just kind of grassroots. And so that's where the Scavengers EP came from, because we said, if we want to play shows locally in San Diego, we need to have some sort of music to put out on Bandcamp or Spotify or whatever that looks like. So then we started doing all this research and found out, okay, it's not that hard to get your music on Spotify these days. Um, and then kind of accidentally recorded something we were pretty proud of at the time with Scavengers. So the five song EP that we put out where we're trying to just put out these demos and we kind of accidentally made real songs. And so then we put those out. And just start sending it. We started going to local shows and meeting people who were playing around the, the, the venues in San Diego and just started to float it out there even before the release. Like, hey, here's a private band camp link. Like, check this thing out. We want to start playing shows. And the next thing you know, because people then dug our sound, because at the end of the day, we're this kind of a long story. But if, if you'll entertain it, it's fun because we really the podcast. To parse through all these different decisions that we made where we made music that we wanted to listen to and play. So then we are passionate about these songs and we've made that decision every single time we write a new song. This is mm. something we like. This is something we enjoy. So then I think people kind of picked up on that passion. Next thing you know, we're playing some shows locally in San Diego. And then from the business aspect, then it's like, okay, show up on time, be respectful, talk to the promoters, make sure we're promoting the, the show, make sure we're bringing people, uh, have a good live show 
again, be respectful and all these different things. And so then the name kind of gets out there and I'm not tooting our own horn. It's just the way that we handle stuff, especially because it's like, okay, I'm taking time away from my family. I'm taking time away from my kids. Like I got, we got to make sure that these opportunities are, are worth our time. And the next thing, you know, we're getting the bigger opportunities at some of the bigger venues. And so then to tie into the, the pandemic part, we play with Ball of Troy at the mm-hmm. end of, uh, uh, 2019. So basically for one year from March to December, we played as many local shows as we could ending that year with playing with Ball of Troy and Dead American uh, and some rad bands. And then we were about to play with the red jumpsuit apparatus in March of 2020. And like two, we had sold a bunch of pre-sale tickets to it. We we're going to have like a really fun time. And then like two weeks before that show was about to happen, the pandemic hit and everything gets shut down. And so at that point, then we then, start just writing like crazy in the previous year we had met joey bradford through some mutual friends to so the guitarist of the use he's our manager now but he he mastered our singles and so we just kind of then established a relationship with him and then when we were about to release this last single of ours called who's afraid of 11 wolves that's when he said like wait don't release this yet let's like float it out there to, to some labels and then that's how we like accidentally kind of got on the phone with Adam from Solid State and the next thing you know I'm calling everybody saying like guys I think we're signing with Solid State I don't know how this happened <laughs> things like yeah things totally snowballed I mean to answer like the question I think it's just taking the logical like baby steps to get to the next thing you know you set this goal out in front of you and it's not like oh I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna be there but you're like, okay, this is the next step. And this is the next step. And it takes a while. And like Austin said, we're very passionate about the music that we're creating. Like we love, I listen to our songs because I'm like, this is rad stuff. And so like, that's the, that's the music that we're going to make. And the thing that's going to keep us in it is we're passionate about it. You know, you know, something as you're, you're kind of saying that it, it, you know, telling the story, basically of all, all the opportunities and how you, you haven't really squandered any um, that basically you, have approached everything from a very uh, cerebral uh, tactic of being a band. Um, how much of that do you think a is your age? Like, you know, I think like when you're, this sounds really kind of shitty to say it like this, but when you're young, like you, you just honestly don't give a fuck if you make bad decisions. Um, I mean, like I remember when I was going to do an interview with um, Michael uh, Blothar from Guar, the singer, um, we had one of our local bands that's actually now signed to uh, some label out in uh, Australian Ryan Kirby's their management manager and all that kind of stuff. But Hollow you know, they had, what was it? Uh, Hollow front. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, I remember when Tyler was showing me their merch cause it was their album release. And I used to work for a screen printing company that did stuff for like, you know, actually the shirt I'm wearing uh, for like diamond and a lot of big box retail stores. And I was like, is your, image supposed to look like that like it looks a little out of register and he goes uh no i don't think so i was like you need to call this company you need to call this company back and go uh i either want x amount of money back or you're giving us half of an order for free next time because you made this this isn't how it's supposed to be and he's like can you do that i was like oh absolutely you can we've had full shipments of thousands of t-shirts and stuff uh, where the company goes, we're not paying for these, we're keeping them, and then you're going to send us another one, and you're giving us 25% discount off of that. Mm. Uh, and we just go, okay. Um, so, it, you know, you don't want your business being 
tarnished basically because of that. Um, you'll bend over backwards kind of to make the, it okay. And I was like, that sort of something I don't think bands know about. And as they get going down the line, like they know that they can do stuff like that, or there's these, I don't want to say tricks, but there's things that you just learn that you can do. And, you know, you're willing to kind of eat those losses and learning experiences because whatever, <laughs> that's all it is. But I feel like, like you said, do you, and I guess that's my question. Do you feel like your age has actually helped you uh, understand these, these uh, good opportunities ahead of time and allowed you to make faster headway doing this because of your age and your experiences that you have, maybe not necessarily in bands, but just in life. Yeah. I mean, I 100% think so. Like being, what? being in 100%. bands, right. Like being in yeah. bands as a kid, like the same exact thing. It's like, I don't, I don't care. Like I'm in a band, so I'm cool. And they're going to listen to what I say. And blah. And it's like, dude, that's not, that's not how you do business with people, you know? Right. And then I think also what helps us is like this, we didn't come into playing music together, trying to make it like we came at it with a business mindset, but also it, it was like, Hey, if this doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out, you know? And so there's not that, like that pressure of, of trying to, man, I don't know, just like make everything uh, like perfect. And, and I don't know, it's, I don't know. There, there's a level when you're 18, 19 and you're like, okay, guys, we're going to start this band and we're going to like blow up. And we're going to tour all of, we're going to quit our jobs. We're going to drop out of college. And there's like all these expectations that these things are going to happen. And then after a while, you're like, yeah, that's never going to happen. Right. It's a big fall apart. Right. We've all been in the band that like everything fell apart because we had false expectations. So then, like Johnny was saying, then in our 30s, taking time away from our families, our kids, our jobs, like there's some risk involved with this. So you're, we're like very structured. Okay, Monday night at eight o'clock, we get together every Monday night and practice. And that's our time to like dial in uh, and jam and have that kind of creative relief. But then at the same time, like every decision we make at this point, we're like, on cloud nine and so it's like yeah let's play a show this is an amazing opportunity oh my gosh we have this opportunity to record an album let's make the most of it uh a lot of people are asking like why did we do a full length rather than an ep in a time where eps are maybe more popular and it's like well if this is our one opportunity to record and release a full length album on solid state let's do the best we can there's no fillers on this album because every single song has like a purpose and we're like if we're gonna do this we're gonna go full full bore on this decision and i think that that's kind of what you're saying with the age piece too we're not a bunch of kids making these not, not if you're a kid in a band i'm not saying anything negative i'm just saying that we're not making foolish decisions we're making really like educated and per, like with perspective of like okay here's the ramifications of doing this uh, and then Johnny, while you were talking, one thing too, John, this is hilarious, but we have jobs. And so we had money to put into the band <laughs> yeah. and, and starting a band, starting a, a brand, so to speak, cost money. And so when we had to front the bill for our first record, front the bill for merch, like we had a little bit of margin in our budget. Not that any of us are wealthy by any sense of the word but we had like a little bit of the ability to put some money in to get it started and when you're a kid man you're like yeah guys i got like five bucks that we can do here and, and, well, it's, and like, it's like this is what it is right yeah well i, I actually even think that's 
and this is such a weird thing to, to pick up on, but again, I think it's my age or our age, but like the yeah. fact you said, we all had money, not one guy had money. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many, the few bands I was in, it always seemingly was like, like I was in a band and all the kids are literally, yeah. Cause I was a couple of years older than them. Everyone I was in a band with was going to college. I was the only one yeah. working. And so yep. like, I know there'd be times like we'd go play somewhere like out of town and we're at a bar and like, they're all scrounging together to, to get food. And I would just be like, Oh, you know, whatever, like just getting stuff. Cause like I had a normal job. We went on a tour. I had vacation time. So I was getting paid to be yeah. out on tour. And it's one of those like where I'm like, it, it sometimes is weird when you have kind of an adult, uh, you are an adult in this situation versus when you see people or the people you're with that aren't. Um, and I, I don't know. It, like, I didn't mean to like turn this into like, oh, being old's cool. Like, we, we know how to do stuff, and you youngins don't know shit. But it, it is one of those like, you know. I think it just becomes one of those things. Like, you know, I joke with my wife. She's always like, oh, I don't. I hate getting older. I hate getting older. I'm like, I love getting old because you have to earn it. You have to. You, yeah. in theory, you can't be, you know, forty, fifty, whatever. Hit some of these milestones and have stuff if you suck and didn't learn sure. from your your past mistakes. And it's one of those like where it's like, I wish I sometimes wish I could go back and be like, okay, like I would have done this way differently. Let me go back and redo this. But it's like, you can't, and you just have to, when those situations arise again, have to take what you've learned and the lumps too, and then go, all right, that's not happening ever again. And here's, you know, I'm going to make sure that when opportunities arise, that we are prepared to be successful when those opportunities, because, you know, something that, you know, I think a lot of people will probably take away from this chat is it wasn't that you were lucky. It's that you had great opportunities. And when they arose, you knew when to jump on them and take advantage of them because you knew that they probably weren't going to be there again. And you were ready for the moment to jump on it. And Johnny, Johnny, what did they say? <laughs> Johnny's got a phrase. No, what is it? No, l- luck favors luck, yep. the prepared. That's oh, like yeah. that's that's our whole our whole thing is like if these opportunities are going to pop up, like we want to be ready for them because it's not going to you know if you don't practice for a show, you can't just show up and do it right. And so like let's prepare our songs and let's make sure we know what we're talking about and what we're doing. You know, talking a little bit more about the record because uh, I only today when the record came out on iTunes could I actually read lyrics because unfortunately media links don't have those um you know it seems like to me uh this record was dealing a lot with uh relationships familial relationships friendships uh all kinds of you know ships that uh aren't boats um <laughs> that and, has a lot to do with boats okay well i mean you're, you're, <laughs> you're, it's a boat album Okay. Well, I mean, you're hitting the perfect time for that with the uh, that book that got stuck in the Suez Canal. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. you you are again an opportunity presented itself, and you're here. You are like two weeks later, yeah. just right on there. So, um, <laughs> um, I mean, am I kind of right on that? Like, this is kind of dealing with just a lot of relationships, uh, and and it almost seems like to me, and maybe it's just my own personal spin on it and what I've kind of gone through uh, in the last little while, but it, it kind of feels like you're looking back on relationships that maybe either where you had been taken advantage of, or kind of like we were just saying, maybe weren't prepared for what was happening in the relationship at the time. Okay. That's a, that's, this is fun. I, I'm, I'm, I've enjoyed the process of having somebody like listen to the album and process kind of what we're trying to put out there and then to, 
figure out, okay, where you're coming from with where I'm coming from. Uh, Cause it's, it's ironic a little bit. Like I have really good relationships with my friends and family and um, my, my wife, we've been married for uh, 11 years, have three kids. And so really the, the, the relationship piece of it isn't necessarily something I put in there intentionally. Um, but I'm approaching it from a, a sense of authenticity. And, and as we're adults and you start processing like how, how, how hard it is to be a good friend uh, how hard it is to have meaningful relationships that are authentic and real. I think that that's like where this album come from, comes from where, you know, I'll laugh that, that we like started this conversation by talking about the business side of the band, uh, because that's the whole juxtaposition between the undertaking where we're going to like overthink every single decision and have it be like business first, but then also there's so much creativity and passion and, uh, uh, emotion that we put into our music because that's the thing that we're doing this for is to to create and to uh, allow other people to experience this music as well and so then for for me I'm gonna start you know I don't even know <laughs> pick a song but like it starts with like a cool lyric and a cool phrase that came into my head and then it's like okay let's really dive into the emotion of what that meant. And so how I write is, yeah, I'll come up with like a cool thing, but then I'm going to really dig deep and try to make sure each song on the album has a, has a theme, has a narrative, has a, has a through line through the whole thing. Cause I don't want it to just, just be like catchy phrases all tacked together. And you're like, wait, what the heck does that song even mean? And it's like, Oh, nothing. Like, like literally the, the one indulgence is nostalgia can be a nasty beast. That's literally a song that's like about nothing, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's about something as well. And <laughs> so that was like a fun song to build because we were kind of just throwing stuff together and making it as wild and weird as possible. Um, there's a, to dive into that a little bit more too, that it, it's written in a bad year with a, a pandemic turmoil, uh, political unrest, racial unrest. And there's like a lot of frustrations that we had maybe towards different, uh, uh, institutions, be it the church, be it the government, being uh, just the fact that we are separated from our friends and, and core families if we are in lockdowns and stuff. And so there, I think there's a lot of emotion that I put into just like diving into like how we're feeling as as a as a group in in this year. And so then that's where I'm a, I'm a Christian and go to church. And so then like you dive into Psalms and, and that's David really crying out and screaming to God and being frustrated with God and, and God is saying like, yeah, dude, like give it to me, give it all, give me all your frustration, give me all your anger. And that's kind of how we approached it. Is there some like real raw emotion in this, but like allowing ourselves to feel that. So That's a long winded way of saying like, yeah, it's a lot about relationships and how we interact with each other and how we hold uh, ourselves accountable for the things that we've said and done. Um, but I laugh because then I'm like, oh, I got like my, I have a great relationship with my parents. I have a great relationship with my wife and my friends and stuff. <laughs> well, I think that's, that's the thing though, is we, I think in the last year or so, we've all kind of learned to re, I don't know if evaluate is the word I want to say, but we've learned to kind of re-identify, I guess, who we are, who we are. Cause we've been the most alone with, with ourselves than we probably ever have been. 
Secondly, we're able to kind of uh, probably assess, you know, friendships and see if they really are. Uh, because in a day and age where we literally can't get together, maybe some of the friends that really weren't, you're starting to see like, oh, this person hasn't reached out to me in like a year. I thought we were friends. like, Or, or I'll flip that one. Maybe it's me. Yep. And maybe I'm the one who hasn't reached out to that person. And I'm like, oh, no, people are like distancing themselves from me. And so you're spot on. Keep, keep, I love that thought. No. And I mean, like I was just thinking about this yesterday because uh, I was because, uh, you know, time hops, but time hop on Facebook has been interesting because you're seeing all the stuff from the last year. And just, it's, you know, it's interesting to see like what a year a difference makes in some situations. And I saw one that was like, oh, I it was really cool having digital cocktail hour or whatever uh with a handful of friends and i tagged the friends and i got kind of emotional about it because one of the friends that i started it with uh is no longer here she passed away uh, mm -hmm. a little couple months ago and it was one of those where i was like man i'm so glad that i did that like because like i would have felt really shitty like looking back and been mm -hmm. like Ugh. like all it would have taken was just a 15 minute phone call like, and, you know, and I, and I think, again, that's the thing about my age. Like, I've, I'm at the age now, we are at the age where, like, you know, family's starting to pass, friends are starting to pass. And it's a thing where you realize that your mort like mortality as a whole is just not guaranteed. Like, you probably, hopefully, knock on wood, have equally as much time as you've been alive still in front of you. But you're kind of at that halfway mark. Or that things could start happening and, and you know, you're gone. And it's just one of those, like, where... When you kind of start thinking about that, it, it puts things into perspective. You know, like I decided to go seek therapy in the last couple of months as a result of all this because I was like, man, I'm really bad at setting boundaries. Um, yeah. And how that manifests in so many different facets of my life. And, you know, it's been one of those where I don't know if we were in the pandemic and I had the ability to literally have a therapist do this with me um that i would have maybe done it because it's ah, when do i have an hour or so to go somewhere do yeah. all this stuff and then drive and then you know go back to do my day but to literally have it come into your home and you don't have to do anything it's like i can be present for that um and i think that's the thing that is kind of interesting about now is that I hope a lot of us have taken the time. Like I, I haven't lost any weight. I haven't really gained any in the last year. You know, I, I didn't set any unrealistic goals, but I think by and large, I've just tried to be better and more present. And I think um, in turn, it's made these a lot better because instead of trying to force some kind of narrative of questions that I prepared, like, you know, days in advance, I'm letting something happen. I'm getting to learn more about you guys. And I think that's kind of the fun thing too, is like, there's not really a whole lot out about you right now. And like, I remember doing one with Jeremy from, uh, um, and the name escapes me too. And they toured with Phineas. Um, Earth Groans? Yes. Earth Groans. I think I literally did his first press, like his first. Love it. And I had to ask the cliche questions like, okay, like, I mean, great. He lives like, uh, North Dakota or something. I was like, what mm -hmm. type of scene mm -hmm. do you have out there? Yeah. How do you get shows? How do you, trade shows like I, I mean i don't know like you're so far in an, in an anomaly like because there's nothing about you and you live somewhere i don't know anything about like how <laughs> and then it's like you know you, you just find you know your way through it but i'm i was really kind of stoked when you guys were like yeah like we're in our mid-30s it's like oh god awesome me too like okay yeah. there's something we can talk about and then it's like you know as i'm like okay like this is your first record there's i mean full length there's not a whole lot out about you and then the fact that you're like, oh, we've really approached this 
you know, with every opportunity we get, we want to make sure it's worth something uh, because we have kids and families and jobs and all that. And it's like, Oh my God, same. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's more fun. I think to have these conversations and, and kind of be able to relate to each other uh, and let things happen. I mean, there is this, the line in wrenches actually really stood out to me before I got the lyrics. It was one of the few that I could kind of make out where, you know, you're saying four years wasted, no longer destroyed as if I had a choice, no longer defined by not having no voice. And that's kind of what therapy felt like for me. Like Mm -hmm. when I finally was given some tools to uh, look at things from a differing perspective, I I made the joke that I was like, it's almost like seeing in 2d for my whole life. And then someone gave me the access to see in 3d and you're like, holy shit, does anyone else know about this? Can (laughs) you, can you all see this? Like, and to me, like, you know, listening to that song that, like I said, I took away relationships and so forth. Cause I think that's something I've been working on. And that line and that song in particular kind of made me really think about how this feels like a record unbeknownst to me made in the time of a pandemic when you're kind of cut off from a lot of people and you're really reevaluating all different kinds of relationships with people. And those, and like you said, even you like, and I know I'm talking a lot and people who are listening are probably gonna get pissed. Um, So I'll end my comment with this, but you know, something my therapist had made a comment about that I thought was so fucking profound was you know, I had an issue or not an issue. I had someone reach out to me with a problem and I was like, you know, I just kind of was like, why me? Like, why are you reaching out to me? Mm -hmm. And they go, maybe you weren't the first person. Maybe you were the third or fourth person. And maybe it wasn't just that day. It was, they had reached out to people over the course of a week, but we're so in our own world, in our own Mm -hmm. bubble that we just assume that it's us and it's happening. Like life is happening at us, not, not around us or to us, but like at us. Mm -hmm. And that's our reactionary uh response and this record feels a lot like that like instead of going like why are these things happening to me you're kind of looking outward and kind of going like why why is this happening why are these things happening and and how can what can i learn from them was kind of a a lot of big themes that i kind of kept noticing for me i'm fired up dude that's yeah that's that's, super cool to hear i mean this is the first day obviously we haven't heard people talk about the album so it's like Amazing to hear what you think about it and how different parts are uh, resonating with you. We appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I wish I would have gotten the lyrics a little bit longer beforehand so I could talk a little bit more about certain lines or whatever that, uh, you know, so I could be like, hey, like what maybe spurned this lyric? Um, I'm sure you're going to probably get that the more of these you do. Someone will ask you about specific lyrics or whatever. But um, I do want to ask you one thing because I I have another date with my wife here in a little bit. So I got to start wrapping this up. I thought it was really amusing that one of the first headlines I saw when you guys released uh, the first single off this was uh, being compared. And I, Johnny, you know exactly where I'm going. I know what you're going to say, yeah. And they're one of my favorite bands. Um, But it was a thing where it was a thing where it was like uh, this. No, this isn't an every time I die song, but it's close or something to that effect. And I remember listening to it and I must have gotten five or six messages on Facebook or whatever. Of people going like, I know you're a huge ETIT fan. Did you check out this song? And I was like, of course, I saw it. Like as soon as someone goes, oh, it sounds like ETIT, click. <laughs> so how? So one, thank you, Lamb Goat, for that very that nice. That was Lamb Goat, okay. Couldn't remember who that was. <laughs> I was actually looking for it before this and I couldn't find it. We <laughs> we have a good sense of humor. And so one, we know Lamb Goat's snarky. And if they're by chance listening or whatever, like one, we do genuinely appreciate the pub- publicity because it gets people to listen to our music. And two, like anybody listening, like is, is 
welcome to draw whatever conclusions they want. We're very influenced by them because we're in our 30s and like Hot Damn, Gutter Phenomenon, like were some of our favorite albums, but same with uh, early Norma Jean and early Under Oath, like anything that came out between 2002 to what, 2007 is something that like we're inspired by. Um, we kind of collectively hope people give it a chance uh, to stand on its own. Um, and that's, I think once they do, they'll, they'll find like there's a lot of influences and stuff in there. Well, I think that's the interesting thing actually is when I was listening to this, because that was the only song I'd heard before I actually listened to the whole thing start to finish. When that song comes on, it is very obvious. It's like, oh yeah, that feels like a big dirty era kind of eated song. But the rest of the record doesn't feel that way. And I think, again, I feel like that's because you as musicians who are older aren't trying to find your way by emulating the the artists that you like, but you're finding your way of sprinkling in some of your influences, the way that seasoned musicians do where it's like, Oh, I'm going to throw a little ode to like, you know, if you're a drummer, here's a little bottom, here's a little, you know, maybe if you're like more our age now, you might be like, Oh, here's a little brawn from Mastodon. Here's a little, this person, but like we don't have bands necessarily that are quote unquote new who are bringing some of those influences from the early two thousands in the way that you guys are. I think some of the ones that are, are bands like, you know, knock loose power trip and stuff. And even, you know, code orange are kind of those because they're kind of of that era where they know those bands and know how to bring the best parts out of those bands. Um, so that was something that as I listened to this record that I really took away with that it felt like a mature way to in- incorporate your influences versus just kind of unabashedly wearing them on your sleeves. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's, that's cool. That's really, I, that's accurate. You know, I think like Austin said, people can compare us to whoever you want. And I, like, I think that's a good thing. I think when you're hearing that, like, oh, wow, like this part sounds like Norma Jean or this part's Every Time I Die or this part's a ch- whatever, whatever band it is. It's like, oh, that's cool that you're, you have a band that you like and then you're finding those sounds somewhere else. Like if that's going to get people to listen to us, then I don't call us the Wiggles. Like come and check it. Like, <laughs> I, like who cares? I don't hey, you care. Know what? You got kids. You guys could be a, wig- a hardcore Wiggles band. <laughs> I would love, that would be the best. <laughs> <laughs> you guys so, opening for the Wiggles? <laughs> oh yeah, let's go um dude, freaking youtube streams for kids man we'd we'd make bank if we were like a kid right. of that's, where, yeah. that's where the money's at <laughs> oh man what was the, i was trying to think the as you're saying that that one drummer dude in that costume thing but he's like blast beats or whatever yeah, uh, yeah. So, so we're a really interesting band because we have five very distinct styles and so johnny's going to come from more of the singer songwriter style and uh, from a hardcore standpoint, I don't mean to speak for you, but like As Cities Burns and maybe some of the more melodic stuff, Me Without You, Heath, our other guitarist, is a freaking riff factory. So he's going to come from like a Dillinger and Converge, but rooted in rock and roll because he listened to Skinner and Led Zeppelin and all these bands. Zach Wilde are like some of his big influences. Brent's going to come from just like that hammer of Daniel Davidson, Norma Jean era, uh, style drumming and james is just like our bear of a beat, uh, bass player who's just going to kind of sit in that pocket and be as heavy as possible and then that's hard for me because then as a vocalist i cannot try to replicate someone else's style and as soon as i try to sound like somebody else 
that's where you're going to get in trouble. Cause then I'm trying to do something that maybe isn't my thing. And so to be able to find my own voice, that's, that's unique to me. And then as soon as we put all those influences together and we smush them together and write our own thing, put the vocals on top. And then from a, a, a producing standpoint, Joey's going to approach it from that kind of use uh, emo melodic sense. And as soon as you kind of drip that on top of it, that's where you get some really cool hooks in the album. And I think once you mix everything together, it's a, it's a fun little uh, um, mix of our, our influences that kind of create something new and exciting. Yeah, it was real fun getting to talk to Joey. And I thinking back to that chat, because I think I was talking about his producing at the time as well. Um, and I think he might have actually mentioned that he was working with you and Dead American at the time, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure you're going to get asked a million times like, oh, how'd you get hooked up with Cove? And it's like, there's your answer. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. It's right in front of you. <laughs> Don't look too hard because it was pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. If I memory serve, because I think you both were announced that you were signed because I know Joey shares all that stuff on his socials and so forth. I think Dead American got signed and then it felt like you guys got signed like very shortly thereafter. Um, yeah. So it was kind of a one two punch. And the golden hair, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll let you go, like I said, so I can go have a, a nice date night with my wife on a Friday uh, and let you guys get to your busy day of press, I'm sure. Um, where can everyone find you or whatever you'd like to plug online? Yeah, man. Uh, thanks for having us on. We uh, love chatting about this and appreciate what you're doing for the scene and stuff. It's, it's always it's, what you guys do with podcasts and stuff is almost as important as us making the music because you're helping us find a, a new audience. So appreciate that. But if you guys want to go uh, on Instagram, we're at the undertaking rocks. Um, you can go to the undertakingrocks.com and find links to all of our uh, socials and web store and stuff. And then if you're privy to purchase the vinyl record, you can go to solidstate.com. Uh, there's two pretty dope variants that we would love for you to spin on your record player. Who's got the test press? We, uh, Adam, uh, our A&R guy. <laughs> you, did you, you guys didn't even get it? Any of them? No. Nope. Really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> just, yeah. We, uh, I, was, I, guess, I guess I was kind of surprised, but I think it was a pretty quick turnaround too, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. I was going to say, I've, I'm always like now, like when I do this, I'm always like, who's got the test press and can I buy it off you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> As, it's only worked once uh, with anything. I have one test press that I've gotten from doing this podcast. So it does not usually work out very well. <laughs> but thanks again, guys, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And hopefully uh, if the way things are shaping up, uh, it looks like touring and or at least festivals are coming back. Uh summer fall and if you guys make it uh, i'm sure you'll make it to here in michigan uh, in grand rapids i uh, love to hang out and see you guys play I'm looking forward to hearing Yo, this live calvin college uh yep that is a college here in where i live okay, okay we're in a i'm a i'm dutch so my sister went out to calvin college <laughs> okay that that all tracks <laughs> that's funny yeah uh i don't know if you guys are beer drinkers but we have tons of uh great craft beer out here so I oh, yeah. love it. Yeah, we our drummer went to Calvin as well, so he mm. he spent a lot of time in Grand Rapids. So yeah, huge fan of that area. Well, there you go. We'll uh, right. I guess we'll follow each other on socials or something, so that way we can figure that out next time you guys are around. Yeah, sure. let's do it. Awesome. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. All, All right. right, thanks, John. Appreciate See it. You, Bye-bye. So that was my conversation with Austin and Johnny of The Undertaking. Uh, again, their debut album, Funeral Palms, is out now. Solid State Records, go pick it up. There is some sweet, sweet uh, vinyl. Uh, go pick that up if you are into vinyl. 
And uh, looks like shows are starting to happen. Festivals are getting announced. Uh, so hopefully some touring will happen and we'll get to see these guys uh, hitting your city or state uh, in the near future. Support them if you can. Uh, had a lot of fun talking to these guys. Um, I know lately, like the conversations that I've been having are kind of a lot more literally conversational based uh and i've been getting some decent feedback about it i'm glad that you guys kind of like more of the non-traditional style interview quote unquote um it's been fun for me to just have conversations with people and kind of getting to learn more about them and kind of putting it through the prism of the band uh or the album that they're here to talk about um you know we kind of did the same thing with next week's episode which is going to be josh todd of buck cherry we did the same thing with lee mckinney of born of osiris when we were talking about his solo record um but i think it just kind of leads to having more interesting conversations instead of the, the ones you're typically going to keep getting uh which is oh you know what do these lyrics mean or whatever and, and you know we definitely kind of touched on that a little bit in this but it was through kind of the prism of being older and going through a pandemic and going through therapy and kind of just looking at life in a in a different perspective and uh, hopefully you enjoyed this and if you weren't familiar with who the undertaking are hopefully you are now go check out their album it's fucking great and hopefully here's a, a new band that you found and will enjoy that was kind of something when starting the podcast i really wanted to do was not only talk to people that you maybe haven't thought of in a little while but also give kind of a platform to some of these newer up-and-coming bands because when I used to book shows, the whole reason I started doing that was because I got tired of people going, there are no good bands, no good bands come through. So I took it upon myself to, to book shows and, and be the change that everyone kind of wanted or be like, hey, here's a night of good fucking bands I curated for you. Here you go. Essentially, I'd like to think that that's kind of what I do with the podcast is, you know, I bring different and interesting people to you week in and week out. And I hope you enjoy the conversations we have and learn something about these people that maybe you've long admired or know nothing about, uh, but to find them interesting just the same. All of that said, uh, if you would like to keep up with The Undertaking, you can find them on Facebook at The Undertaking Rocks, Instagram at The Undertaking Rocks, and Twitter at underscore The Undertaking. Uh, or simply go to TheUndertakingRocks.com. That is a landing page for everything that you need uh, for them. If you would like to keep up with Austin on Instagram, it's at VisaRoyceAustin. It's in the show notes. It's kind of a, a weird thing when you look at it all together. And if you'd like to keep up with Johnny, it's at JohnnyVin. Again, everything's in the show notes. I put them all there for a reason. And if you would like to keep up with the podcast, simple enough. BruceSpeakPod.com is the landing page for everything this podcast. Just go over there. Anything you want to see regarding this, there will be links, buttons to push. Uh, we also have friends, podcasts, and so forth that you can check out. Uh, and speaking of support and supporting people, I want to thank our sponsors once again for supporting this podcast. Uh, head on over to Rockabilia.com. Use our code BREW. Save 10% off your total purchase order. The Bean Bastard Coffee. Go to TheBeanBastard.com. Pick up some delicious, delicious coffee. And last but not least, On Point Palmy. Keep your beard and hair looking on point. Use our code BSP15. Take 15% off your total purchase order. Thanks again for coming in and checking us out. Uh, really excited. We are approaching 300 really quickly. I think I've locked in our guest. We have some other things kind of in the works as well. Uh, all will be revealed soon enough. Uh, so until then, I'll talk to you next week where we are hanging out with Josh Todd of Buck Cherry. See you then. <laughs>